Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Michael Kanan, who uh, has made a headline for missing six of his eight field goal attempts this year, is now back to just punting and kicking off. The former Saint Morton Anderson is here for most field goals. Look out! Right through! A kick by Steve Gleason! It is scooped and scored by Curtis DeLoach! Is it not great to hear that call? Uh, it certainly is. And uh, welcome into the Black and Blue Report here on this, the eighth anniversary of the block punt by Steve Gleason at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Just the Superdome back then, if you remember, and an iconic moment in Saints history. And, of course, uh, hello to Steve Gleason today and all those around Steve, and we hope that he's having a great day today. We hope you are as well. And uh, this is worth celebrating today, the eighth anniversary of that moment, as called by Mike Tirico on Monday Night Football against the Atlanta Falcons. Hi again, everybody. Greetings from Studio B. Hey, by the way, don't forget, by the way, with uh, us talking about Steve Gleason today, I know finally all the ice bucket challenges have calmed down and pretty much disappeared, but so many of us made a point of not only taking on the ice bucket challenge, but also making that donation or pledging a donation to Team Gleason I'm hoping that you're going to follow through with that. Probably all of you already have, but just in case that slipped your mind, uh, don't forget about that. All right, so with that, that's a great start to the show today. We have a great show for you, as we usually do on Thursdays. We're going to visit with The Voice today. Jim Henderson, the voice of the Saints, stops by on this Thursday. And we'll also talk uh, with Junior Gallette, speaking of voices, and a very unique one at that in the Saints locker room. We'll get his thoughts from yesterday after practice and share that with you here on the Thursday show as well. On the basketball side, uh, for the first time in a long time, I have a conversation with Drew Holiday. The Pelicans point guard is back. He is uh, efforting to get himself ready for camp as he's uh, pretty much now, I guess, what we'd call freshly cleared for uh, full basketball activity. He has spent the summer rehabbing and working and trying to get himself ready to go. And the last piece of that is uh, now probably in the uh, – in the waning days, some soreness that you'll hear him talk about is still in play for Drew as he's uh, ramping up his activity and hopefully good to go for next week. And we'll talk to him about how he's going to manage his uh, comeback during training camp, which begins 
on Tuesday. So Drew Holiday stops by, Junior Gallette, and of course Jim Henderson here on what is to Daniel Salerson, of course, is in studio today, and um, he is a member of the Jewish faith. Today is today Rosh Hashanah is one day or it's a series of days. Educate me. Sundown last night and goes through the day today. And this is a celebration, right? Happy New Year. 5775. Okay, yeah. All right. Very good. Um, So do I, can I wish everybody happy Rosh Hashanah? Okay. Happy Rosh Hashanah to all those celebrating today. And uh, otherwise, we'll get started with our conversation with Jim Henderson and continue through Junior and Drew here in just a moment. Eighth anniversary of Steve Gleason's block punt. That's amazing. That is amazing. Stay with us. Good show today from Studio B on the campus of the Pelicans and the Saints. We'll be right back. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans featuring half season and 12 game options, including the ever popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Well, it is Thursday here on the Black and Blue Report. That means visit with the voices and uh, gracious enough to join us again on this Thursday. We've conned him into it one more time. It's the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, uh, here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, Jim, of course, uh, you know, our friends of the Jewish faith are celebrating Rosh Hashanah this week. I'm wondering if you're, if you're making a toast to the year 5775 today on this Thursday. Look, I'm. Yeah, well done, well done. Are you a New Year's toast kind of guy? Is that something that strikes you? I think New Year's is really overrated. I think New Year's is mostly for amateurs. And it seemed like when I was working at Channel 4, I always had to work New Year's Eve, and there's nothing worse than showing up at a party like five minutes before 12 without any fuel in your system, and everybody else has way too much fuel. So I never really have been a big New Year's guy. I'm kind of the same way. I like to uh, stay in. I love to have a great meal. And usually by about 12, 15, 12, 20, I'm pretty much done <laughs> if I make it that far. So, there you go. That's yes. exactly the way I feel. Yeah, that's the same way I feel. Uh, what do you think about the Vikings game now that you're a few days removed? Because you and I seem to have differing opinions on how the win over Minnesota went at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome this past Sunday. Well, you know, you hear from the fans, and I went down in the quarter afterwards to a restaurant that I'd been invited to, and a lot of the fans were ticked off. I mean, there was no great celebration, um, I think in, in large measure, because these fans expect so much out of this, this offense, and even though the defense only gave up nine points, I think they recognized how hamstrung the the uh, Vikings were offensively. So I, I sense still quite a bit of frustration and, and angst among Saints fans that uh, a win 
this Sunday would probably dissipate much of that. But, yeah, I think people are anxious over the team's performance, and I think in many ways the fans are kind of spoiled by this organization. Maybe spoiled is the good word because the more and more I look at either the box score or different analytical stats about last Sunday, the more I felt okay with everything. I mean, third down efficiency, balance on offense, Drew's performance, the fact that, you know, all the, on, the, on the defensive side too, it was one of those things where I found myself going, what's everybody moaning and groaning about here? Yeah, well, there's, I've, I heard so many questions this week. Why aren't the Saints throwing the ball downfield? Where, where are the big plays? And, of course, they're used to a lot of that. I think the Saints had an excellent game plan considering who they were playing and the, the situation that the Vikings were in. I mean, if you don't give the Vikings a touchdown um, with an interception, as, as Drew did against Cleveland, if you don't give them a short field, if you don't turn the ball over, I think it's pretty unlikely that either Matt Castle or Terry Bridgewater, uh, Bridgewater are going to go uh, the length of the field against you and, and score a lot of points. So the Saints were pretty cautious offensively, didn't turn the ball over, controlled the, the clock for the most part. I think Drew was over 70% in his percentage of passes, even though a lot of those were short throws and a lot of them to Brandon Cook. So I think that was just their game plan. I, I think this week there'll be a, a much more wide-open attack and probably a much more high-scoring game. If we're seeing progress... And I think that's what Coach Payton and, and Drew Brees and others have preached and some of those numbers that we just talked about would lend to. Um, what's the next step for this ball club heading into this Dallas performance? You know, What would show you another step in, in this improvement process that they're wanting to accomplish in the first month? Well, I think everybody's pretty happy with what they're doing offensively with their ground attack. Drew hasn't thrown for 300 yards in a game, uh, considering how ineffectual the Cowboys are with their pass rush and the problems they have in their secondary. I fully expect him to be over 300 yards this week or, or thereabouts. Probably I think the thing that would pr- impress you the most as far as, as the team's uh, progress would be something they would do defensively and in particular um, creating turnovers. I think the Saints are one of only, as against some of these stats this week in preparation, they're one of only six teams in the NFL without an interception. They're one of only two defenses in the NFL with fewer than two takeaways, that one strip of Julio Jones by Jarris Bird back in the opener against the Falcons. So I think the thing that would impress me the most, and although the Cowboys figure to run the ball predominantly in this game, would be a, a good pass rush and, and some takeaways on defense, particularly interceptions. Sean Payton is wisely uh, preaching to his team that this matchup this year with Dallas is in stark contrast to last year because both teams are drastically different. Are you buying that, or are you leaning a little bit on the disaster that Dallas found themselves in at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome last year? Uh, I think these are pretty much rebuilt teams. I think the philosophy of the Cowboys has changed a lot. You're going to see an awful lot of Marco Murray. I mean, he leads the NFL in carries, rushing yards, tied for rushing touchdowns, rushing first downs, and runs of 20 yards or more in the first three games. He's carried 22, 29, and 24 times. He's on pace for a 400-carry season. And I think the reason for this is, is twofold. For one, they've invested three number ones in their offensive line and it's a, a point of strength for them now. And with Tony Romo coming off of that back surgery, I don't think they want him throwing the ball you know, 30 or 40 times a game. I was looking back at my notes from the last time these two teams met. Uh, in 2013, when the Saints scored that incredibly one-sided victory, in the game before that, the Cowboys ran it nine times and threw it 53. So um, I think uh, their philosophy has changed greatly, and it's pretty evident I think to all the Saints' defense and to everybody 
connected with the organization. Uh, every week you go and say, well, we've got to stop their running game. That's truly the case this week. If they can stop DeMarco Murray or, or control him and force Romo to throw a lot more than he wants to, I think the Saints will be in good shape. But uh, I think, too, the Cowboys reading some of their materials, uh, some of the people that cover them are a little concerned with how many times DeMarco Murray is carrying the ball. I think I might have mentioned he's on a pace for a 400-carry season. Here's a guy that uh, had a knee injury some of last year and a foot injury the year before. And if you use this guy up, there's not an awful lot behind him in their running game. Playing in primetime special, I get that. Um, and it used to be playing against the Cowboys at any point was special. But, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Saints are, what, 8-1 and one in their last nine meetings with Dallas? And I'm, I'm starting to have a hard time to see the luster in this matchup as far as nostalgia goes or sizzle, if you will. Yeah, and the Saints have played so well on Sunday night football. The Cowboys have lost two straight on Sunday night. Uh, Cowboys haven't beaten the Saints at home since 1991. So I think there's there's always and always will be around the nation some luster to the Cowboys, but if people that have watched them firsthand uh, don't quite feel that way. So um, it's always fun to play on Sunday night, always fun to play on national television. Have you been to uh, AT&T Stadium before? This will be my first trip. I'm looking forward to it. Well, you'll get a kick out of it because it's gigantic. I mean, it takes you about 10 minutes from the time that your bus pulls into the underground parking to where you eventually arrive at your destination. And from our standpoint, doing the game, uh, the booth is, is about, a, about as big as a warehouse condominium. It's huge, uh, has its own bathroom, has its own kitchenette, at least the one we were in last year. And to our left, Brad Sham uh, and Babe Laufenberg do the Cowboy games, and they actually have a worse viewing point than we do. And I remember talking to Brad last year. He said he calls every game off the big screen, and that is a true distraction when you're in that stadium. Just look to see how many players and coaches and fans are watching the screens because the screen's almost as big uh, as, as the field. And, of course, you get such a tight shot and, and such a clear picture off them that it's kind of distracting. You, tr- you truly could, and of course Brad does that, you truly could call the game off the screens. That's crazy. Are we going to see more of that around the league, or is this truly a Jerry Jones <laughs> spectacle? Well, apparently, you know, I'm trying to think. I don't think we have been in Houston since they've installed these huge screens. But, of course, everything has to be bigger in Texas and the rivalry between Houston and Dallas. And I think they have a a huge screen as well. Now, whether it extends over the field, I can't recall. But this is obviously the first one, and it's it's pretty dramatic. It's an incredible edifice. A lot of people think that because of that, because of the screens, and because of such a cavernous stadium, that there's not a whole lot of home field advantage for the Cowboys. And, uh, of course, they lost their home opener to San Francisco, played miserably, and they've won their, their two games, their two victories have both come on the road, so they're home for the second game here on uh, Sunday night. So what's the story before the story, I guess? You always seem to put this together for us as far as the storylines that you think may play out or are of significance in how this might play out. Well, I think it all comes down to uh, – if, if the Saints can protect Drew Brees as well as they have this season and as well as they have against the Cowboys, uh, it's pretty interesting. The Cowboys have one-half sack on their defensive line, and the guy who got it, Henry Melton, may not play with a hamstring injury. So uh, their defensive line has only half a sack. They only have three as a team. Uh, of course, you know about the Morris Claiborne incident and the, and the Orlando Scandrick probably replacing him on the corner. I think if, if the Saints can protect Breeze and, and 
and utilize Drew the way they want to. I don't see the Cowboys stopping them through the year, given their ineffectual pass rush and uh, their lack of talent on the back end. For the Saints, I think it all comes down to, as I said, DeMarco Murray. Um, if they can control him, I'm not sure Tony Romo can beat you at this stage of his career and coming off the, the injuries and the surgery that he's had. So I guess that's the, that's the theme as I see it right now. Anything special for you on the road trip? I mean, cowboy boots to call the game, anything like that, Jim? <laughs> big belt buckle, uh, big hat, and, and tight jeans, really, really tight jeans. No, you know, I, I've got to – is anybody listening to this in, in, in Texas, do you think? Uh, I'm just not huge. a huge fan of Texas. I'm just not a huge fan of Texas as a state. I'm not a huge fan of the cities they're in. Nice enough people, but um, nope, I'd prefer to be uh, east of the Mississippi, I think. Well, there you go. I guess no George Strait on the iPod for Jim Henderson this weekend. <laughs> Who? Exactly. Come on, don't. Actually, I know you're probably fired up about One Direction coming to town um, tonight. I guess you'll be. That's that's how you'll spend your your Thursday night. I would imagine. Oh, I think I'll heed the advice I heard on the radio this morning on my drive in, which was uh, basically starting at three o'clock, stay wide and clear of the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Um, yeah. As uh, yes. Uh, no, I, I don't. I couldn't even name you one song that Misdirection or One Direction, whatever they are, uh, <laughs> sing. I'm sorry. Yeah, Misdirection is the female group, the, the girl group. Oh, okay. I, again, you, you you lost me on that one. But uh, no, no One Direction tonight. What was the last good concert you went to, by the way? Wow. Ah. Uh, well, I went to the Jerry Seinfeld concert uh, last year at the Sanger. That's a concert. That was great. Okay. But I mean as far as as far as a musical group, mm-hmm. boy, I'd really have to think about that. It's it's been quite some time. Beatles City Park? No? Sorry. <laughs> Wish I could have. <laughs> Wish I could have. No. Um I can't even remember the last concert that I've been to. All right. Well, I actually you know, out at uh, the fairgrounds out at uh Jazz Fest, I went to the Eric Clapton concert. I guess that would be the, the closest thing to it, but that was pretty much a rumor. Uh, given where I was seated, uh, you could barely tell there was actually a person up there on the stage. But that's the—I guess that would be—that would qualify as the last concert I've gone to, in, including that involves a musical group. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'm sorry that you did not get to see Slowhand up close and personal, but uh, I'm sure you still enjoyed the event. I did. Yes, he's great. Safe travels, my uh, friend, this weekend. Um, I hope that next week we're talking about a, a two-and-two start and all right in black and gold world. I hope so, too. Thanks a lot, Sean. You bet. Voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson, with us here on this Thursday edition of the Black and Blue Report. When we come back into the locker room we go, the very interesting and engaging Junior Collette with us on the program. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. 
Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. As we said earlier, still to come on the Black and Blue Report, a special visit with Drew Holiday, Pelican's point guard, here from Studio B. He was uh, kind enough to come over in person and speak with us before he went over to his workouts at the Pelican's practice facility. All right, time now to go back to the Saints locker room and check in with Junior Gallette. What you're going to hear here is uh, an interview I did with him yesterday, and then uh, that is uh, tied into his uh, session with the general media as well at his locker yesterday afternoon post-practice. We started the conversation kind of almost the same way we did with Jim Henderson earlier on the uh, Black and Blue Report today, talking about improvement and what's been made now through the first three weeks of the season. And so with that, uh, here's Junior's thoughts on the improvements made into week three, resulting obviously in the win over Minnesota. Getting to the quarterback, I feel like we didn't get the numbers that we wanted in a six, seven sack game, but I feel like that's gonna come with just being aggressive, you know, up front and working together as a group, that's going to come. When you think about Dallas and what that side of the ball is doing now in this season, it seems so much different than last year. Help us understand what it is now. Oh, really, I feel like they we got to stop the run. You know, I feel like they have a really uh, – he's an exceptional back, and um, he finds he, – he can gash you for the long ones and he can gash you four or five yards. But either way, he's, he's an exceptional back, and we need to bring him down and find a way to get him out the game. Obviously, there's guys in front of him that are helping him along the way. What are the characteristics of now what seems to be a heavily invested in the offensive line over there? Oh, obviously, the left tackle is an elite athlete, um, top five, I feel like, just watching him on film. Um, center's pretty good. Um, I feel like if you go one-on-one one one matchups, I feel like we still have that advantage. But we have to work as a group, defensive line, communicate, you know, terrifically on the road. Um, just like all offensive linemen do, you know, we have to communicate. So I feel like we can still have the advantage. Is this one of the best offenses you guys are going to face this year in terms of balance? Best offenses? Yeah. Well, right now I can't – you can't really say nothing because it's uh, fourth game. But, you know, they're up there. They're very, very explosive. So it's Des Bryant, Jason Witten, uh, uh, obviously Tony Romo. He's an elite quarterback. You can put him up there. Left tackle is really good, uh, but you, you can't say nothing until the year folds out. Just like when, you know, people show out their schedule and they say, "Oh, it's a tougher schedule." You don't know. You don't know how good you know the teams are going to be until the end of the season. Then you'll see how tough the schedule really was. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out at the end of the year, how good they were. But obviously, going into this game, we know they are an explosive offense. What do you like about primetime games? Um, everybody in. America, you feel like is watching, and everybody, you know, I told the guy earlier, like your sixth grade girlfriend, you know, hits you up on Facebook, like, hey, you're playing, <laughs> you know, people hitting you up, hey, can I get some tickets to Dallas? Yeah, I'm like, what? In California, but no, it's it's a big game. Uh, I feel like you know the Saints have a chip on it. We, us as a group, you know, we feel like we have a chip on our shoulder. Always want to be recommended as one of those top tier teams in the league, and if we're always gonna feel like we don't get their recognition. You know, I think a lot has to do with the media coverage, and New Orleans is not as big as a team in Dallas or, you know, New York. But we we'll always have that chip on our shoulder. Just that we want to win this game, though. You always seem to do pretty well in these games as a team. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. Yeah, I think Sean, Sean said that as well earlier. We do good, really, really well. I don't know what the record was. It was 
think we lost one one time. I don't know what it was, uh, but those are, you know, the other teams. This is a whole different team from the other team. So we gotta, we have to win this game. Then we can say, oh, you know, we're, we're a prime time team. So. You don't think it's Dallas with the chip on their shoulder after last year? No, no, it's last year. It's a whole different year. Obviously, they came here and we took advantage of them, but it's a whole new year. Does this team have an identity yet for you? We're getting there, but I feel like we know what we're capable of. We know, you know, the sky's the limit for us, but those are just all words. We just got to go out there and compete and win, and then we'll find we'll find out who we really are at the end of the year. Is Tony Romo good enough to take over a game? Of course. I mean, I feel like um, at least they paid him. <laughs> You know, um, so he's obviously got to be some somewhat good if you don't watch football. But um, he can make all the throws. Um, he can also beat you with his feet, and just not running 50 yards down the field, but you know, creating extra time for with the pocket and you know, uh, expanding the pocket. So yeah, he's definitely good when you have, especially when you have a wide receiver like Des Bryant, and then you have Jason Witten, you know, who can you know blow some coverages. So Junior Gillette and the uh, Saints looking to stop the Cowboys' offense on Sunday night in prime time. Something that's been very kind to the black and gold over the last few years in the Sean Payton era. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go to the basketball side of things, and get you that promised interview with Drew Holiday. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years parents working hard to keep the worry from their face doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong from rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in louisiana with more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region Even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. This is Pelicans guard Drew Holiday, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. A little more basketball conversation here today as we get set for, gosh, media day is on Monday. Two-a-day start Tuesday, and the look on Drew Holiday's face here in Studio B is priceless. Good to see you, my friend. It's been a while now. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yes. It's been a minute. You're back in town for good? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. I know you've been bouncing around quite a bit. Yeah, uh... Going back and forth to L.A., uh, visiting my doctors, them correlating with our doctors here. So mm-hmm. um, really just trying to get ready. That and spending, what, the last couple minutes with your wife? I know a lot of us are doing Trying that. to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, before my season starts and then and then before she goes to the World Cup or World Cup qualifying. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a busy season for both of us. No doubt, no doubt. Drew Holiday, obviously the starting point guard for the New Orleans Pelicans. We're hoping back and ready to go for training camp. And a smile uh, creeps across his face. I'm getting that report from most everybody uh, that found themselves on the shelf last season. Drew, it looks like, knock on wood here, everybody's going to be ready to go for training camp. Um, Everybody's anxious and excited, uh, especially the guys who were injured like myself, how we've kind of take, taken the whole offseason and 
try to prepare and I mean, I think we just stepped on the court, like really, really doing stuff. So um, getting on the court, just really excited to get back into it, uh, get used to the plays and and I guess just how much we've run and, and just being in the gym, man, it uh, feels good. Remember back in school, and maybe maybe this is because I'm old and this is what we used to do, but when we used <laughs> to go back to school every year, you'd have to write some essay about how I spent my summer, summer vacation. <laughs> you remember that? Uh, yeah. Did you have to do that yourself? Not – uh, there was not in high school. I See, don't think it was no, summer no, reading. All grade school stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. No, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, I I tell you that my summer was uh just working. I don't think I had one vacation. The only one was probably my uh my birthday, and I took a week off from my birthday. But other than that, um, I was just rehabbing, lifting, just trying to get back. That was the purpose. So. No fun, nothing cool. I, no vacation. I didn't go anywhere out the country uh i guess i went to to um canada once but that was for like an nba thing and that was for like two days and does that really count but that was on the weekend where i mean my weekends are just i guess you get to do whatever on the weekend anyway but nah, everything else has been work when you say work take us through kind of what what had to still happen with your legs and and when were you able to i guess sit up walk run how did it progress well, after surgery, they wanted me to put pressure on it right away. Really? So um, I had crutches and as much pressure as I can put, which uh, I kind of pushed the envelope a little bit. Uh, I would try to walk a lot. Uh, I think when you're, I think when like when you're playing and you know your body's tired, you just want to lay around all day. But then when you're hurt, all you want to do, like instead of just laying around, all you want to do is get up and do something. So uh, I'd push that envelope a lot and try to put as much pressure on it as I could. Um, after I was cleared to, like, really lift and work out and stuff, I did that every day about 8, 8.30. And once I was cleared to actually get on the court and do dribbling and I couldn't really run or shoot, I started doing that every day. And then, um, obviously, rehabbing. Uh, rehab, I was with my physical therapist every day. So uh, I think it was, wasn't until... I got here like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I started playing. So um, it's just good to see everybody back. Um, I know with the previous team I was on, everybody wouldn't be back this early. Everybody would still be, even now, still be like at home or wherever wherever they are in the off season. But because we have so many guys back, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see. Why is it different here? Again, I think everybody wants to uh, get back into it. Uh, I don't want to say it's because of the injuries, but – uh, I know, like, speaking for myself, because I was injured, like, I couldn't wait to come back and actually be able to play and be around here and get involved and, and like, be a part of it again. Uh, I know last year when I was out, I was at home, I was laying down. Um, I was here toward the end of the season, but I couldn't play. It was like I can talk to the guys, but I couldn't really help them on the court. And, you know, that's kind of discouraging. But uh, coming back here and just being able to play is, like, it's kind of a relief. You've, you've always been durable. You rarely have taken a day off. The injury, and you and I talked about this back in the spring, was so new to you, this idea of I can't do anything, and now it's a major injury right. at that. As you get ready for training camp now, what have you learned about your body, and, and, and how do you want to proceed, I guess, as far as managing minutes, managing health, all that kind of a thing? I mean, do you, are you going back to the old Drew Holiday that just, I mean – up against the wall every day, not, or do not, you have to be smarter about this? Yeah, not yet. Um, 
I mean, again, I just started getting on the court and doing stuff. Excuse me. So, uh, gonna have to take it slow. Uh, we know how the season is. It's it's a long season. Um, so managing minutes and and really taking care of my body is something that we've talked about. Uh, me, Coach Mott, uh, and and our trainers for pretty much ever since I had surgery. So what, like six months. So um, right now, just taking it slow, especially through training camp and and uh, preseason, and really just trying to get a feel at the same time, uh, get a feel for the team, so that we can get that groove that you know we once we we had once last year so, mm-hmm. or last season. Do you feel strong? Do you feel quick? I mean, give me an idea of where you feel right now. Um, I feel sore. Sore. Fair. I mean, <laughs> been lifting and working out all week, but no, I I, I really feel good. Uh, I really feel strong. Um, especially compared to to last year, there's um. I definitely have a different feeling, and and I feel really good. All right, so Ashik now is in the fold. Yes, that's huge. Uh, yeah, you say that allows you one, um, and just getting all the pieces back certainly gives us an idea of what this could be like. You know, one of the interesting things though is there's still this guard rotation, and I'm starting to hear a rumble that maybe this isn't going to be a, a traditional guard lineup that I think most folks are used to. Okay, here's the point guard. Here's the two guard. Here's the small forward. It seems like it's here's three guys who can really play and do a lot of things. Go get them. Uh, am I reading this right? Yeah, I mean, I think that makes the game a lot easier. Uh, just not one person brings the ball up or runs the plays or does whatever. Um, we have so many guys are, who are multi-talented. I mean, f- next thing you know, you might have AD bringing the ball up. Obviously, we know oh, what kind of we know what kind of talent that 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 <laughs> man has. So it, it's definitely possible for him to run point forward. But I mean, between me, Tyreek, Eric, Austin, I mean, it's I I'd prefer them to have the ball. They can definitely score, and it's easy for them to score. So for me to play off them is easy. Tyreek passes the ball really well. Eric does. Austin does. And for me to set up, like I'm still going to score and do what I have to do off the ball. So it's. It's not just a traditional point guard, all right, here you go. You run through the plays and stuff. It's, all right, well, one of the guards get the ball. That's where the communication comes in, and, and that's what we're going to try to get to. And I mean, in training camp and preseason where it becomes that synergy, where it just becomes easy. Well, hello. I mean, you've always been a traditional point guard, though, and that was the follow-up question I had is how how do you feel about that? What's your adjustment to that? That's easy. I can play off the ball really well. Um, I had to in college, uh, even – even growing up through high school, uh, I had to play off the ball. Um, I've always been a point guard at heart where I can get the ball to who needs it. I can penetrate and, and dish the ball to somebody who's going to score. But uh, playing off of somebody else and, and doing all that, that's a part of basketball. Um, you definitely see combo guards. You see more combo guards, I think, probably back in the day than you do now. But um, there are a lot of them now. I mean – Again, Russell Westbrook, I think he's really good on the ball, and I think he's really good off the ball, especially with Reggie Jackson. I mean, here we have me, Eric, Tyreek, Austin. You can go down the line of guards, and it's like you have to play off the ball to be able to be successful. So it's um, that's not really an adjustment. I think that's pretty easy. So, Are you the fastest of the group? No. Who is? Uh, it's a good question. Eric's pretty fast with the ball. Tyreek's pretty fast with the ball. Austin's fast. Russ is fast. Man, I don't 
I don't know. Last year was Chief for sure. Last year was Chief, but I, I don't know. I, that's a good question. I but, think I might. He's not I'm, a guard though. Right. I, mean, I might be up there. No, I'm saying like I, I might be up there. That, I've never been like the fastest guard, but. I might be close. But speed's there. And, yeah, and, and yeah. actually, what I wanted to ask you was, who are the fastest starting point guards in the NBA right now, and how do you how do you contend with that? And here here I got a little bit of a curveball, and I'm not so sure you're the fastest guy on this team. Man, uh, I guess John's fast. John Wall's fast. Kyrie's fast. Brandon is fast. Um, Ty Lawson's fast. I mean <laughs> – yeah, Chris, Chris used to be fast. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I definitely think that he picks and chooses when he, when he uses his, mm-hmm. his his stuff. So, um, I mean, I think all those guys. I, I think I'm pretty fast. I know that a couple of them are faster than me, but I still think that I've been able to hold my own against them. Why should Pelicans fans feel that even in a stronger Western Conference, if you can even imagine that, that the Pelicans are a playoff contending team um you know i can't i can't i can't tell them why um it, it's more of what they feel and, and what they see um i think that they'll see how hard we play um i think that they'll see that the talent we have but at the same time uh it's kind of up to us we have to go out there and play every day uh we have to play hard every day we have to play smart every day um Again, we have to get back into that groove that we had, even though we had a couple setbacks last year. Um, everybody is motivated, and everybody is definitely driven this year. So um, playoffs right now, I, I, I think everybody wants to go there and say that, you know what I mean, we want to make playoffs, but we kind of have to find ourselves again. What does Coach Williams want to do with training camp? And the reason I ask is this. In his first couple of years as head coach here in New Orleans, He's talked about how much teaching has had to go into training camp, mm-hmm. installing his system, the turnover of players so you don't have consi- a consistent core that is up to speed with the culture and system that he wants to run. Other than Ashik and John Salmons, really, Jimmer for dead, I guess, would be in this conversation too. All these names are quite familiar to most right. most all of us. Right? Um, does that change the way this training camp goes, and, and what are the benefits, if there are any? Um. I don't think the I don't think he has to teach as much, but uh, I think teaching is a part of basketball, and I think teaching is a part of getting better. Um, you can learn something every day, and the way that you get better is to not stand still. It is to get better and to listen to your coach. Um, at the same time, players are getting better, as you can see. Uh, players are coming back. Um, Anthony just came back from Anthony and Coach just came back from the World Games, and you saw Anthony play it. So. Uh, we might have to adjust around that. Um, obviously, like he's he's our guy, but the caliber that he's playing at, I mean, we we might have to adjust to that as well. So, um, I think this training camp is always going to be about teaching. But again, to find that groove, we have a lot of guys who we have to take it in kind of slow, just from the fact that we were injured and uh, we have to kind of get our groove back, not only for ourselves but for the whole team. You're really smart. You pay attention to a lot of things that I don't necessarily know that you're paying attention to. Um, whether it be the national conversation or the local conversation, anything, what are we missing about your team going into this season? What's, an, what's something out there that either isn't talked about, it's being overlooked? What is it about this thing that 
that you see or you're thinking about going into practice next week that is not on the radar? Um, I think us in general. I'm not really sure that they would say that we're on the radar. I think people think that uh, – I mean, we have a tough team and, and we're on paper, but um, I don't think that they know how how well we can actually play if we ever get – you know, I mean that that groove and everybody stays healthy. Um, I, I do feel like we have an awesome team and we have a lot of potential to to do things. But again, I think that that's that's up to us. It's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. The schedule. Do you care or is it set not up really pretty good? I mean, um, the schedule is a schedule. You can't fight it. You can't use it as a crutch. You can't use it as an excuse. You just gotta. You just got to travel and play. That's what you signed up for. No doubt. The look on your face has been great ever since you walked <laughs> in the door. I've missed it around here, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm glad um, to be back, man. Yeah, I can tell. And, I, and, and this has been the same feeling from everybody that's been in this room here in Studio B just talking about this season. You know, Ryan Anderson coming back, the way that he talked about things, the way that he kind of pushed his rehab much like you did. Eric seems rejuvenated. Anthony – you know, the way that he felt bouncing in here with that gold medal around his neck again. Right. But he's always that way, it right. seems. Yeah. Um, it seems like everybody's on the same page. And that's the – I think that's the plan. That's the goal. Um, to get on the same page as fast as possible. Again, I, I think starting off training camp that way will we'll push us forward. So, um, it's a it's a good boost. You staying in a hotel or at a house or an apartment for camp? Oh, I'm at my house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, a lot of folks around here, they, they say, oh, is the team staying at a hotel? And is it like football? And I said, no, it's not. <laughs> actually, in basketball, the guys can actually do full two-a-days. Right. They're not staying – they're not quartered up in a hotel or anything like that. It's Yeah, yeah no. Uh, no, nah, I'm, at, I'm at the house. My, my wife's going to be here for a little bit of it. So, um, obviously, like, she helps me relax a lot. Um, but, again, just I think relaxing and then – when it's time to relax and then come back, coming back to work mentally is uh, is the biggest part. Training camp isn't going to be easy. Uh, if it, if anybody knows Coach Mont, training camp oh. is not going to be easy. So um, when you need your break mentally, take that break and come back mentally tough for that next practice. Can you believe your first preseason game is a week from Saturday? I can't, and I didn't know that until yesterday. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's uh, that's soon. In a college arena. Hey, take take me back. What five years? Ooh, six. You're getting old, Drew. Man. Yep. Yep. Twenty four. I didn't think I was getting old. Good to see. You. I'm glad you stopped by. Thanks, man. Yep. Thanks for having Hope me. some of that soreness goes away before next week. Oh, that's the plan. Yep. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> yep. All right, Drew Holiday with us here in Studio B on the Black and Blue Report. Great visit, my friend. Good to see you, and we're all excited about next week. That's for sure. For sure. Yep. We'll continue on this Thursday here in just a moment. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars of the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice 
to crowd boil and more, Vatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Keep your eyes out at 3 o'clock Central anytime thereafter for the New Orleans Saints and the Dallas Cowboys injury reports for this Thursday. John DeShazer and I will also recap Saints practice today with the New Orleans Saints afternoon wrap. Yours on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints mobile app later on today. I think these injury reports this week for both teams are of significance. Uh, Some key guys are a little banged up, and we'll see how things progress here now through Thursday. It was still a Friday practice to go. A special thanks again to Junior Gallette today, Jim Henderson, and Drew Holiday tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Good Friday edition for you. Chuck Cooperstein joins us from Dallas, Texas. We'll also hear from NFL Network's Judy Batista, and we'll also visit the Saints locker room to finish up our preparations for the Saints and Cowboys game this weekend. Thanks for joining us again here on this Thursday. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. Also, enjoy the start of your NFL weekend. It's the Giants and the Redskins on Thursday Night Football tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow as well. We'll see you then. Don't forget to follow on Twitter, at BlackBlueReport, or at Sean Kelly Live. And until tomorrow from Studio B, so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.